Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvik, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about AlienCon 2023. That's it. That's this whole episode. There's going to be some amazing interviews. Ah, why am I telling this now? Hold on. Let's. We'll get to it. But first, as always, we have shout-outs. That's right. We have shout-outs going out to... Alicia, Rebecca, Esteban... Ange, Stephen, Jane Ann, Jennifer, Heather G, Zuzus, What's It, Paula, Nico Share and the Mouse, Paul, Mark, Paul, Mark, Tortuga, Hannah Boo, Mike from Jersey, Jay Bizzle, Andy, Tracy. Feel better, Tracy. I hope you're doing all right. Virginia, Tony, Jason, Vicky, Crow, Clay, Buzz, Lobita Works, Glacier Maine, Isabel, Jen, Jen, Stacy, Amber, Tracy, Kelly, Joe, Menace the Beast, Sandy, Paige, Kosh, Bentman, 666. I like that one. Andrew, Scott A., Andrea, Melody, Vicky, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Alicia, Becca, Jake, and the Beasties, Elizabeth, Voidtech, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Ricardo, Ian, Alexandra, George, Seth, Zozo the Demon, <laughs> Hayden, Cindy, Ashley, Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, Mangano, Russell, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Stacy, Jerry, Lindsay, Jeff, Joe, Lawrence, the Lawrence Strawn. Hey, howdy, hi. Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Jaden, Anashi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Laura Pitts, and Gamer Fan. With two special shout-outs, as always, to Joe Teague and to my boy Stitch. Alrighty, let's get right on into paranormal news. I'm just going to randomly pick a paranormal news Theme song for today. There was this one night we were out in the field and suddenly there was this incredibly bright light descending from the sky. Next thing we knew, we were in this big white room and standing in front of me was this slimy two-legged creature with these wide lizard-like eyes across its face. That's right. The first story in paranormal news is, oh, there we go. Steven Spielberg shares personal theory explaining all of those UFO sightings. I thought this was very cool. Uh, thank you for a special shout out to Todd and Jamie and Elijah Hendricks, and I'll throw them in there, who said, hey, man, you've got to check this out, Steven Spielberg. And then obviously the next day it was everywhere. Every news source, or news source was talking about it, but Steven Spielberg shares personal theory explaining all of those UFO sightings. 
On the Stephen Colbert show, Steven Spielberg talked about UFOs. He said, well, I wonder if I can just find the audio or the video. Let's see. What happens if I click on this? Welcome back, everybody. And now, the thrilling... Well, here we go. It's, uh, I'll just banter for a minute until it starts showing me Steven Spielberg's face. Let's talk about UFOs for a minute. What do you make of what's going on right now? Oh, it's exciting. <laughs> There's yeah, something out there. So you're a believer. I don't know if I'm a believer in the sense that I'm kind of the person that would think I, I got to see something like that to believe it. I'll, mm -hmm. I, I can make up stuff sure. and make movies about things that I've never seen or experienced, and that's fine. But in terms of really believing something, I think I'd have to have a, my own close encounter. Mm -hmm. um, so I have, I've never seen a UFO. I wish I wish I did. Nothing that's unexplained. I've never seen anything that I couldn't explain. Mm -hmm. But I believe certain people who have seen things that they can't explain that is unexplainable. Um, I think what has been coming out recently is fascinating, just absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the secrecy that is shrouding all of these sightings mm -hmm. And the lack of transparency until Freedom of Information Act compels certain materials to be released publicly. I think that there is something going on that simply needs extraordinary, um, you know, due diligence. I yeah. mean, I, just, I, I would like to hear more about it. I don't know what they are. Uh, my imagination and my love for, you know, I, I don't believe we're alone in the universe. I think it's mathematically impossible that we are the only you know, you know, intelligent species in, in, the, in the cosmos. I think that's totally impossible. At the same time, it almost seems impossible that anybody would visit us from 400 million light years from here, mm -hmm. except in the movies, unless it figures out some way of, you know, sort of, you know, basically uh, jumping the shark, so to speak, mm -hmm. and getting here through wormholes or... or, or uh, so I, I'm not a astrophysicist, I really can't speak the language of the people that do it so well out at JPL. Mm -hmm. But I just know as a person that makes movies and uses his imagination and also as a person that is that is insatiably curious about UFOs or UAPs, yes. that, that there's something something going on that we're really not being made. made that's I, I love the fact, I'm going to pause it right there. I love the fact that he's using the vernacular, so he knows what he's talking about. He's calling them UAPs instead of UFOs. I'll talk about UAPs a little bit later as well. Um, he's talking about JPL. He's talking about a lot of stuff to the point where I'm like, man, is there even the slightest chance that one of the greatest directors of all time could possibly listen to this podcast? And if so, it would blow my mind. I got to meet him once. Um forever ago in Santa Monica and uh, it's the most starstruck I have ever been just because how much I respect his work uh, besides being like the hugest Star Wars fan uh, Indiana Jones E.T. I mean you just go down his list of movies and it's just been you know it's my childhood Jaws I watch Jaws every year I make sure that I watch Jaws at least once because uh, it's just an absolutely br beautiful brilliant film all right back to Steven Spielberg, I'm not going to play the whole eight minutes. Don't worry. I'm just going to let him finish up this one thought, and then we'll move on to the next story. It's not being disclosed to us. Well, senators who have been briefed on this, and I don't mean just these latest balloon-ish incidents, senators who have been briefed on this have said there are things the American people deserve to know, and the quote I love is, and they're ready to learn. And that yeah. says to me that there's something sort of um, 
paradigm shattering yeah. about this news that we're not being told? You know, the most optimistic thing I feel about these things that we're seeing in the skies yeah. are the Army and Navy and Air Force are yeah. recording on their, on, their, on their gun cameras, is that what if they're not from an advanced civilization 300 million light years from here? But what if it's us 500,000 years into the future that is coming back to document the second half of the 20th century and into the first 20th century because they're anthropologists and they know something that we don't quite know yet that has occurred and they're trying to track uh, uh, um, the last 100 years of our of our history. Well, the hopeful part. All right, I'll leave it right there. Um, absolutely brilliant. I think Steve Stephen Colbert and Steven Spielberg both just showed that uh, they're, they're UFO nerds. They're one of us, and I love every freaking second of it. I'm glad I can get the video to play. Instead of just me reading to you what Steven Spielberg said, that would have been boring for me. I would much rather play it and listen to the man himself. And, boy, when I say the man, I mean the man himself. Alrighty, up next in Paranormal News, Pentagon UFO chief says alien mothership in our solar system is possible. Now, this one comes from Military Times, and it's a bold statement. Pentagon UFO chief says alien mothership in our solar system possible. This one came out this morning at 741 this morning. There's a possibility that extraterrestrial motherships and smaller probes may be visiting planets in our solar system, according to... The head of the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Research Office. They noted it in a report that was drafted and shared on Tuesday, just two days ago. It says, An artificial interstellar object could potentially be a parent craft that releases many small probes during its close passages to Earth, an operational construct not too dissimilar from NASA missions. According to Sean Kirkpatrick, the director of the Pentagon's all all-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. He wrote this in a research report co-authored by Abraham Loeb, who is a chairman of Harvard University's Astronomy Department. Mind-blowing. This is not the Weekly World News. This is not the Daily Mirror. This is not some rag tabloid. These are two men in the know, and they're blatantly saying, yeah, an interstellar object could potentially be a parent craft that releases many small probes during its close passages to Earth. So Kirkpatrick, who was appointed as director of, a of AARO, AARO, when it was founded in July of 2022, previously served as the chief scientist at the Defense Intelligence Agency's Missile and Space Intelligence Center. The AARO was established to investigate unidentified objects of interest around military installations, according to a Pentagon press release. Loeb... He gained notoriety when he proposed our galaxy had been traversed by its first interstellar visitor in October of 2017. At that time, the Pan Star Telescope in Hawaii detected an object, which I call Umau Mau, which I know that's not how you pronounce it, but fuck you. I like saying Umau Mau, which is a Hawaiian term for scout. They both said that uh, in their research paper is an example of a possible mothership with probe capabilities. With proper design, these tiny probes could reach the Earth or other solar system planets for exploration as the, as the parent craft passes by within a fraction of the Earth-Sun separation. Just like Umau Mau did. I know it's a Moa Moa. Relax, everybody. Astronomers would not be able to notice the difference, notice the spray of mini probes because they do not reflect enough sunlight for existing survey telescopes to notice them. So this research paper, titled 
Physical Constraints on Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. It comes following a month of intense scrutiny of unidentified flying objects, like the balloons and you know all that stuff. So when we get to the stuff you already know about, it's time to move on to the next one. But seriously, Military Times, not some weekly world news, and two men in the know are saying stuff that is disclosure times a thousand, and it's barely making the news. It's insane to me. All right, this next one is actually a full news broadcast, which I don't want to play the full news broadcast, but I do want to kind of skip around a little bit. It was on the NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. They talked about um, they talked about UFOs, but let's get to it. Else, U.S. fighter jets shot down last month. Tonight, out of Harvard University, a draft paper about mysterious flying objects sounding almost like science fiction. I think it's very likely that we are not the most intelligent civilization well, that's very likely. that ever existed. Renowned Harvard astronomer Avi Loeb teaming up with the new head of the Pentagon's UFO office dubbed the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Together they say that interstellar objects detected in space could be signs of extraterrestrial life and that current sky mapping technology like the James Webb Space Telescope could miss such objects. It could have been a mother ship that released some probes in the habitable region around the sun. We have a visitor to our backyard. We should observe it at first. Professor Loeb now leading the... All right, that's about it for that one. It's uh, that's. I just wanted to have you hear from directly from him. It goes on for 22 minutes. You can actually find the full episode online. It is really worth watching, but it's not worth taking up 22 minutes of this episode, especially in Paranormal News 4. Um, it's it's mind-blowing. This is another step in disclosure, and in my opinion, a huge step in disclosure. Up next in Paranormal News, from Newsweek, congressmen say... Alien UFO tech is being reverse engineered in secret. This is the biggest week of disclosure ever. Again, no one's talking about it. It's insane to me. Hold on one second. Sorry, friend had a little bit of an emergency. He had to text me, so I had to respond. Alrighty, the uh, the article says recovered UFO technology may be reverse engineered right now, but we don't understand how it functions, according to a U.S. representative. That's right. Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchard told Newsweek that he believed we have recovered a craft at some point and possible beings. I think that's a lot of, I think that a lot of that's being reverse engineered right now, but we just don't understand it. In early February, for all you know about that, the Defense Department has not confirmed the natures of the three remaining objects, that's the ones over Alaska, Canada, and good old Lake Huron, Michigan. Um, fun fact, I, I found out just recently that a guy I went to high school with is, um, what is he, like the director of Michigan MUFON? Something to that effect that it's just, it, it's blowing my mind. His name is Bill Konkoleski. Um Let's see if I can find it real quick. So, I'm, well, the, the 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 short of it is, is that I'm hoping to have him on my show as well. Um, he's the state director of Michigan chapter for MUFON. I went to high school with this guy. How cool is that? I'm gonna have him on the show. Don't worry. Well, I hope to have him on the show. I can't speak for him, but a lot of people are talking about this in you know in Congress, the U.S. representatives. There's 
there's not a lot. Of, there's a little video right here about uh, five key moments from Biden's speech on UFOs. There wasn't really a lot that he said that is mind blowing enough that you know to include it with uh, in this if, uh, instance of paranormal news. But still, little by little, we're getting a hell of a lot more info. And like I said, I personally think it's disclosure time. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, I want to keep moving on. I didn't realize what time it was. I just looked at the clock. Key lawmakers double down on solving the enduring mystery of UFOs. An intriguing and little-known 2021 incident, a U.S. spy satellite captured multiple images of a mysterious tic-tac-shaped flying object over the water. We all know about that. But two men, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and Marco Rubio, both want to get to the bottom of this and make sure that the information actually gets out to the American public. Do I believe them? Not not really. I don't think that information is going to get out to the general public, but if they're fighting for it, I'll let them fight for it. I always, always say the more people fighting, the better. Alrighty, up next in Paranormal News, let's switch gears. And let's talk about Bigfoot because a Bigfoot skunk ape, skunk ape sighting happened in Mississippi. The, uh, they said that uh, in a remote area of Mississippi, a picture of surfaced online that has Bigfoot enthusiasts buzzing with excitement. The image taken by a trail cam shows what appears to be a massive fur-covered creature staring directly at the camera. The variations of the colors between the skin and the furry coat of hair covering the creature's body say this picture could be real. All righty. Uh, let's see. Uh, they call him Skunk Ape down there. You all know that. Where is the actual photo? Do they not actually show it? I'm going to be so angry if they don't. Wow, I cannot find the photo. No, 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 no. So, you know what? If they're not going to if they're going to make me hunt for the actual photo of Bigfoot, that means I'm going to move on. Maybe I'll talk about this more. I'll have a maybe I'll have an update for next week, but for this week, there's too much to get to, too much to talk about. So, I'm going to move on. Finally, in paranormal news, Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, spotted for the first time in 2023? I don't think that's true. I think they've spotted him a few times since then. But they said, there's a wave that is too big for fish. Footage has shown that um, Nessie has been spotted yet again. Guess who did it? If you said Ian O'Fadigan, you'd be right. He did it again. The man that I want to talk to. He's, uh, once again, watching the webcams. Seems to be all he does, and I love him for it. And he says, two clips from the lake captured something stirring in the mysterious depths. And if this, boy, this is the worst website ever. There's been like 12 things that have popped up in front of the actual story like 10 times. All righty, uh, let's see. Um, my reaction was I couldn't believe what I was viewing, and it all happened so fast. In the first video clip, something moves to the surface for a couple of seconds. Then you see two shadowy wakes moving in two lines under the surface. It probably moves like this uh, for about 15 feet, then it's gone. Uh, Ian, as you know, who's from uh, Donegal in Northern Ireland, he knows what he's talking about. I'm calling him the expert. I might be the first... Um, uh, Rom. All right, calm down. Thank you, sweetheart. I might be the first para-influencer, but he is definitely Nessie number one, Nessie spotter number one in my mind. Uh, so there's no, uh, there's some like couple of photos from the video, but uh, so I can't really click on the video. But there, you know, there definitely is a disturbance. Hold on one second. Rum is got something and she shouldn't be playing with it. Hold on. 
There you go. Go play with that. Sorry about that. I'm back. Uh, he said that the wake was six to eight feet long. He says, but no one will ever know the true size is hidden under the water to uh, cause such a big wake in the first place. Something is causing these wakes that we're not seeing. Yep. Like I said, fantastic guy. I want to talk to him. Um, but with that, let's uh, close up the old uh, paranormal news. And let's talk about something that is absolutely amazing. While I was at AlienCon on Saturday, this past Saturday, I got an email that was a huge surprise to me. It was telling me that I was actually nominated for a Parapod Award. And I went, what? That's, that's news to me. What is this? If you go to parapodfestival.com, you'll read all about it. You can buy tickets for it. You can see the events and the schedules. And I got to say, first of all, what a fantastic award because the awards are for people kind of like me that are out there doing it that don't get the recognition because I'm not, you know, like I'm not Jack Osborne. I'm not, you know, like Josh Gates. I'm not these big celebrities, but you know, I'm putting out the content just like all these other people are putting out content. And that's what the Parapod Awards are about. And it's just a fantastic award in my opinion. I mean, I mean, I've been nominated, so obviously I'm I'm a little bit, uh, you know, not jaded, but um, influenced in my opinion. So then I went to parapodfestival.com because I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Thank you so much. It is. <clears throat> I don't expect to win. I'll be honest. I don't expect to win. In a minute, I'll tell you how you can vote for me. And I would really, really appreciate it if you did vote for me because if I won, it would blow my mind. But I'm one of those people where I just don't expect to win. If there's like, if there's some like... Uh, drawing and there's only three people in the drawing and I'm one of the three, I guarantee I'm not getting pulled. It's just, that's just not my luck, but I'm, I'm going to think positive. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, move that I'm, yes, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I can't wait to go to the award show. The award show is April 1st. It's a uh, Saturday, April 1st at the Hyatt Regency in Valencia. You can actually buy tickets to it. Parapodfestival.com. Come on out. Come party with me. How cool would that be? Even if I don't win, let's party. Let's have some fun. You can also go there uh, Friday, March 31st at Mentoryville Park. There is a, there's events going on that are just amazing that I cannot wait to go to. I'm so excited for this event that I didn't even know about till this weekend. Uh, for example, Friday, March 31st, Mentoryville Park, Ghost Town. Stargazing with Ben Hansen. You know Ben Hansen. If you don't, if you're like, I don't know who that guy is, look him up and you'll be like, oh shit, it's that guy. That guy's cool. Yes, he is. Nighttime Spirit Circle with Patty Negri. Daytime Spirit Circle with Colby Rebel. And a haunted location tour with ghost hunting equipment. That's just day one. Day two, at the Hyatt Regency in Valencia, there's going to be a parapod conference, including keynote speakers, lectures, Panels of experts. There's going to be a paranormal vendor marketplace, which when you listen to this episode, you'll hear how much I enjoy these kinds of things. The Transformation Garden featuring spiritual workshops and metaphysical teachings. Parapod film and podcast festival award ceremony and red carpet. I'm going to be walking a red carpet. How cool is that? I'm so excited. Um, I, I really, I cannot thank whoever it was that, that nominated me, whether it's just the Parapod uh, people, the Parapod Festival, or if it was a listener or what, whomever it was. Thank you so much. I am beyond excited. But listen to this. 
Linda Moulton Howe will be there. A person that I've wanted to speak to forever will be there. She's going to do the uh, panel. Uh, she discusses 40 years of extraterrestrial and UFO research. Sounds freaking awesome. <clears throat> and then shit's falling all over the, uh, the kitchen while I'm talking. Interesting. There's going to be a costume competition, a seance, award-winning author Billy Carson discusses ancient civilizations, UFOs, and more, a ghost hunting tour. Like I said, like I'm I'm going to have a blast. I'm going to be out there just having fun. Um, Let's see. The master ceremonies will be Jimmy Church. Like I said, uh, Linda Moulton Howell receiving the Media Legend uh, recipient. Uh, Ben Hansen. He's a paranormal television host, former FBI agent. He's very cool. I've liked him on everything I've ever seen. I've wanted to talk to him for a while. Uh, one of the guys from Expedition Bigfoot will be there. Um, I mean, there's just a list of people that I'm like, oop, yep, I want to talk to that guy. Ooh, I want to talk to that guy. Um, Craig Campobasso, I believe that's how it's his name. He's a UFO author, Emmy-nominated casting director. Seems like a very cool guy. Like, there is a lot of very cool people in the know that I want to talk to. And I guess I'm going to because I'm going to be there. Like I said, I'm going to the Parapod Awards. Uh, it's just an honor to be nominated. I cannot thank, like I said, whoever did it, cannot thank you enough. But check it out. Honestly, go to parapodfestival.com. If you have the means, come out. <clears throat> Pardon me. Come on out. April 1st, 2023. It's coming up very quickly. Come on out. It's at the Hyatt Regency Valencia. I'll be I'll be hanging out all day and uh, going to the award show. Come have a drink with me. And if you don't drink, come have a non-alcoholic drink with me. All righty, to vote. There is a link to vote, and it's a long link. It's a Survey Monkey link um, that has to be on that Parapod uh, website that I was just talking about, the Parapod Festival uh, that I was just talking about. Um, but... It's also on the Facebook fan page, the Facebook page. Um, there's, I mean, there's, a, just just look it up. There's a many, many ways to find it. I would really, really, really appreciate it. If you're listening to this episode this week, if you could vote for Paranormal Almanac in the fields that I'm nominated, would be, I, I, I would be forever in your debt because I think it's just a very cool thing. I'm excited to go. Like I said, it's a it's an honor just to be nominated, but it'd be crazy cool to win. It'd be really, really crazy cool to win. Um, it's all from this guy, Tony Sweet. I want to talk to him as well. But um, so I'm sure you can find it. I'm I'm trying to find it while I'm talking, and I can't because I'm doing too many things at once. Uh, please try and find the the link to to vote. Like I say, it's a Survey Monkey link. It's up on the Facebook fan page. It's on the Facebook page. Um, I'll probably put it up on like Instagram as well. I don't have a Twitter anymore. Um, find the vote, uh, find the link, vote, tell your friends to vote, force your family to vote, force your mom to vote, whatever it takes. I cannot thank the Parapod Festival people enough. And the award looks cool as hell. I really want one behind me. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. Just have it up on the shelf behind me. Alrighty, with that, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with actual Paranormal Almanac. We are back. I'm very excited for this episode, for you guys to hear this episode. 
I was trying to, I was kind of doing some like live, not really live, but like I was doing updates throughout the days while I was at AlienCon on the fan page, on the regular page. But I know not everybody has social media. So this whole episode is going to be about AlienCon. And thankfully, first of all, let me thank Debbie and uh, Deb and let me thank Deb and everyone from AlienCon. They were the nicest people, the most accommodating people. And Deb especially went out of her way to actually secure a few interviews for me. So I actually have a few interviews on this episode, which I'm very excited for you guys to hear. Um, I cannot thank Deb enough. It was very, very cool of her. Um, everybody there was so accommodating. They were so great. Um, because I was press, I had the ability to kind of like pop into panels and pop out very quickly and easily. Not that I really popped out of too many. I kind of, once I was in a panel, I was like, this panel's awesome. I'm staying. And I just watched the whole panel. They have absolutely fantastic panels. What if, one thing I really like about it, it's not just one panel that, you know, a billion people line up for and that only 200 people get to get in. No, they have panels, multiple panels per hour on multiple topics. So you kind of have to, you know, you got to look at the schedule and be like, ooh, this one's at 1220 and this one's at 1220 and this one's at 1220. Which one of these three do I want to see the most? And you kind of pick and choose throughout your day, but it really mixes up your day. It really makes for a better, more fun experience, um, more eclectic, I guess, experience about being able to go to this panel because I really want to see George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell. Or do I go to this panel that's talking about cryptozoology because I really want to know more about that? Um, ooh, it gave me a warning that I have limited space available. Hopefully this doesn't end. If it does, I'll have to keep a closer eye on that. Um, but um, that, that's the, the SD card, by the way. Sorry. Uh, I just noticed it. Um, but I will say that that every panel that I went into was really good. They had amazing guests, uh, uh, you know, History Channel and Alien Con work together or maybe you're owned by, I don't know, maybe they're owned together, um, but they really work together to bring out the best guests. To give you an idea, the first panel that I went to was Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. They have a new podcast. Um, I'm not going to promote it. They, they're going to get enough promotions as, as is, but, you know, find it if you want to listen to it. I think you should. I honestly do. I'm going to listen to it. Um and they talked about stuff that I thought was really interesting. First thing that I learned at this panel that I didn't know is the man that created the term UAP. His name is Jay Stratton. And uh, I've kind of already talked about some of the 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 the, the panels, not the panels, the uh, the companies, the 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 task force. That's the word I'm looking for. The task forces that that he's created that he works for. And come on up, come on up. There you go. Hi, sweetheart. Hi, Ron. And um, he's the one who actually gave that term, coined that term UAP. In my opinion, I think there were more than one reason for him to do it, but that's just my opinion. Um, but he is the man who created the term UAP. And um, so they talked about him quite a bit. And I was like, ooh, I really want to talk to that guy. Like, I really want to talk to him. And in fact, the next panel I went to, he was actually on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's cool as hell. But, uh, but Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp kind of gave an overview of all of the UFO stuff that has kind of been, you know, bombarding us, especially lately. And it was really neat to see their point of views because I always, I always knew it, but to hear it directly from them was kind of cool. 
they know way more than they can tell us. They're getting information from, you know, people that are in the know that, you know, with national security clearances that they're not allowed to share. A lot of the information that they're not allowed to share, but that they have. So for, you figure for every like, and this is just me saying this, for every one thing that we hear about in the news, they know about 10. Or for every one photo that we see, they're seeing the video that those photos came from. It's frustrating to me because I want to be just like, well, you know, do right by the people and just release everything. Because that's what, I was going to say that's what I would do, but I'll never get on, a, on one of these task forces if I say that. That's not what I would do, but that's what I would do. Um, no, I mean, obviously I understand that, you know, there's national security and there's clearances and you can get in some serious trouble for telling people things that they shouldn't be told, but there has to be a way to kind of put um, the U.S. government's foot to the fire to release this information. And uh, in the panel, they showed two uh, photos, like real quick photos. They talked about it on Monday night. It's already been on the news now since then. Um, and it was a long cylindrical object over, I believe, Baghdad, um, <clears throat> over the Middle East. I'll just say it that way. There's a long cylindrical object, UFO, flying over the Middle East. And it isn't. it doesn't have like a contrail. It doesn't have propulsion that we can see through the FLIR image. And it was really interesting and it was really cool, but I wanted to, you know, but they were like, and, and we've seen the video. I'm like, cool, let me see the video. Let us see the video. Like, I get that you can't release everything, but can you release some of the things? Can I see a little bit of it? And it was really frustrating. Like I said, it's, it's very frustrating and it must be even more so for them to be an inch away from that information, like to get my hands on Jeremy Carbell's phone real quick and be like, like press play and be like, holy shit, look at that. Or, oh my God, look at these emails. It's got to be just mind numbingly frustrating for him as well, because I'm sure he wants that information out. I'm sure, you know, he'll piecemeal it out as he can, or at least have it on the ready so that when a news story does break, he can be like, yep, I've got X, Y, and Z that are connected to that news story. So it's really interesting to see that at that level, what they have, that they're just waiting to be able to tell us. And that is another part of disclosure, that there are people in the know that have the information that can't release it for whatever one of these many reasons that are just waiting for that time when they can release it. And that amazed me to think about, like, that's just two people on stage right there, Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. And then Jay Stratton from the next panel. So three people on stage. Three out of how many? Thousands? Thousands of these kinds of people that have this information that could move that disclosure ball forward, even, or by leaps and bounds, I say by inches, but by leaps and bounds even, that don't have the ability or can't, for whatever legal reason or life-threatening reason, that can't release that information just yet. You'll hear me talk about this just a little bit in one of the interviews later on, if not two, but definitely one of the interviews later on. And the gentleman that I was going to talk, that I talked to, I don't want to spoil it just yet. The gentleman that I talked to um, had a good reason why the government does this for the people. And he worked for the government. So I can kind of, you know, I can say like, okay, that makes sense. But then again, he worked for the government. So of course he's going to say that. But I don't want to jump ahead too much. I want to stick with this first panel. 
this Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp panel. First thing I knew is, you guys think I swear a lot. Jeremy Corbell swears just as much as me, if not more. And he, he again, kind of like I do, I want to have just, I want to make it feel like we're having a conversation about a UFO. And that's what he felt like. He felt like it was genuinely, I was talking to a friend of mine about UFOs. And he's just very natural. He's very open. He's very animated. He's got a great sense of humor. Their panel was so flippin' entertaining. It was my first panel of the day, and I went, oh my God, that's going to be a hard one to beat. And that leads me to the second panel. Oh, and I should say, and George Knapp. My God, it's George Knapp, the man who, you know, brought us Bob Lazar, who brought us so many of these UFO stories, and he's still going. One thing that amazed me about George Knapp was... His recall, he as he's talking, he's giving out specific dates, places, times, people, where they were, what they were doing, and it's all accurate, like just off the top of his head. And I'm like, my God, the, the info that is in this man's head, someone protect George Knapp because that man has so much information that is still yet to be released to us. And beyond that, the history of UFOs was absolutely amazing. But from there, I went to the next panel, which was Skinwalker Ranch panel. That's right. The hunt for Skinwalker Ranch panel. Everybody from the show was on there except for the uh, the billionaire, Brandon, which that doesn't surprise me. But everybody else was there. Dr. Travis Taylor was there. Uh, Dragon was there. Thomas Winterton was there. Everybody that you'd like from the show was there. And then Jay Stratton was there as well. Once again, he's the guy that created the term UAP. He actually worked with Dr. Travis Taylor in one of these task forces. This guy is the guy, that's the name. If you take anything away from this episode, it's going to be, listen for the name Jay Stratton, because he is going to be a huge, huge key to disclosure, in my opinion. But, um, so the Skywalker panel, the Skywalker, the Skinwalker panel, the Skinwalker panel was really cool. They couldn't talk about the show. You know, they couldn't spoil anything. And the History Channel guy was was the moderator. He was very clear about, you know, don't spoil this, don't spoil that. But, man, they packed an hour with the history of Skinwalker Ranch. There was also a, a Native American gentleman, which I can't think of his name, and it's really frustrating, and I apologize, sir, because you were so brilliant on the, on the uh, panel. Um, he was talking about the, the Native people's history of the skinwalker and it was so incredible to hear i wish i could have recorded it i wasn't allowed i wasn't allowed to take photos wasn't allowed to record they were very strict they would have kicked you out i saw someone get kicked out of the jeremy corbell one so i definitely didn't want to mess with that i didn't want to mess with alien con who was being so nice to me that i didn't want to screw it up but um this panel was brilliant they talked, like I said, they talked about the history of Skinwalker Ranch. They talked about some of the science that they've already done on Skinwalker Ranch. Then they hinted at what's to come. And they all said, which, you know, again, they have to promote the show, so take it with a grain of salt, but I kind of believe them that this season on Skinwalker Ranch is going to really blow our minds. That uh, some of the stuff that they they saw and they did on this show this season has never been done on Skinwalker Ranch prior. And with good reason. And it just seems like it's going to be a great... I can't wait for the season of Skinwalker Ranch. Um, 
I had a newfound love for the entire, I was going to say cast, but they're not really a cast, the entire group of men and the work that they do on Skinwalker Ranch, which is dangerous for multiple reasons from, you know, the radiation levels alone makes me, yeah, I want to go to Skinwalker Ranch, but the entire time I'd be worried about that. And they got people that are living on there and working on there, you know, year round. But the, um, the, they had Black Hawk helicopters fly by them, like buzz them while they're trying to do some experiments. So the government is now watching what they're doing on Skinwalker Ranch more and more. Again, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt because there's no real reality TV. All reality TV is very dramatized. But from what it seems, these guys are up on the up and up and... It's going to be a great season of Skinwalker Ranch. Speaking of Skinwalker Ranch, that leads me to my first interview. So I I got to go back and um, I got to talk to a gentleman from Skinwalker Ranch. And the first interview is with Thomas Winterton. Now, in case you don't know, just I'll give you his little like blurb that they gave me. Thomas Winterton is the superintendent of Skinwalker Ranch. He oversees the maintenance of the property, its facilities and equipment, as well as overseeing ranching activities and assisting in investigations. A native of the Untaw Basin, I always say that wrong, Thomas is the founder and operator of multiple businesses. His unique background and experience gave him an in-depth insight into the UFO phenomena at Skinwalker Ranch and the surrounding areas, especially his own incredible experiences that have taken place there. So I got to talk to Thomas. Um, this was the first day using, thanks to the thanks to the patrons, this is the first day using um, my Zoom H6. It's like a handy recorder. It's a brilliant freaking recorder. It comes with multiple microphones. Um, the area that they had us interview him in was a very echo chain. It was a huge echo chamber, huge. Even though we we're kind of cordoned off from where the people were, the rest of the, the panels or, or the rest of the, 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 the con was, the convention was, it was a huge echo chamber. So it, it took me a couple of days to really clean up the audio as best I can. Hopefully, you guys will be, I, I think it, I think it's fine. I think you'll be able to hear him just fine. But um, I did mix it up the next day with because the second day I also had two more interviews. So I, I swept out the microphone and it definitely worked better the second day than it did the first day. But again, I cannot thank Thomas enough for such a great conversation. It's only about a 10-minute interview, but a fantastic conversation, which is what I always want. I always want to have a conversation with somebody. I don't want to just talk at somebody. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Thomas Winterton from Skinwalker Ranch. I've talked to Travis a few times uh, back in the day, uh, all about, obviously, about Skinwalker Ranch. Um, I want to hear from you, though. Your experience has got to be very different from a scientific experience. You're there all the time. What's it like, and how has the pressure been now that it's, you know, all eyes are on you because of the show? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's been a little bit surreal. Um, I, I first went on to the ranch seven years ago, uh, right after Brandon purchased it, and uh, I did so as a general contractor going to do a property inspection for him. No kidding. Yeah, so it's actually how I... That's a very generic way to welcome to the most paranormal place on earth kind of a thing. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because before that I was just a businessman and and the whole paranormal world wasn't even on my radar. Sure. And uh, Jim Morse had come rolling into town on behalf of Brandon and had stayed at uh, a hotel that I owned. And we got visiting, he found out as a general contractor, and so he said, 
well, you just bought this property. Maybe you've heard of it, uh, Skinwalker <laughs> Ranch. And having grown up in the basin, and, and uh, I was in high school when the Sherman, sure, you know, the whole Sherman yeah. escapade was going on. And so I'd heard all of the lore and the stories and that, but I really uh, wasn't on my radar, and I kind of called BS. I went on with a very skeptical I mindset. like that. So you went in with skeptics. Oh, totally. Oh, I like that. Yeah, totally, total skeptic. I remember rolling on the property the first time, and, you know, it was fun to go on there because this place had been locked down. Yeah. And the local lore was the government was in there. It was like deep state, you know, Pentagon's yep. in doing experiments. It's more secret than Area 51. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of the novelty of being able to go on to this property that had sure. been off limits to everybody else, right? And I remember rolling in there with Jim the first time and looking at the place and thinking... I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, it just looks like a rundown ranch yeah, to me, right? Just another, yeah. Just a piece of dirt. And uh, had fa- went in and found the place in a really sad state of disrepair. There were a lot of things that needed immediate attention. And so uh, I started assisting Brandon in getting those uh, issues resolved. And, and From like a construction standpoint? Or? Yeah, I mean, uh, we rolled in and, and uh, there was an elderly couple that was the caretakers that oh, were living that's true. in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go in and find things like uh, their bathroom in that house was completely full of black mold and Holy just like crap. really bad living conditions. Septic system had failed, so there was we had you know there we had issues with the, the sewer coming up in the field out there. Some things that needed attention immediately. Sure. So uh, I I worked with the local health department, started getting some of these things resolved. We got the bathroom remodeled. Started addressing some of the immediate needs, replaced the gate out at the front entrance. Oh, yeah. And Brandon just, uh, because I live out there, Brandon just said, hey, would you mind just um, taking this and, and managing it for me? So I've been there ever since. And, Was that uh, a tough decision to be like, do I really want to do this? Now that I know, even if you didn't believe in the paranormal side of it, just the disrepair side of it. Was it a tough decision? No. Um, look, there was, a for me, a small town farm kid, right? Sure. Um I mean, I was a businessman. Uh, I, I had several small businesses that I owned and operated, the hotel being one of them. Sure. Um, which allowed me the freedom to be able to have the time to do that. Um, and for me, the lore, uh, the lure of the ranch was not the ranch itself. I could have cared less about the paranormal side. Yeah. It was that here's this super successful real estate mogul, Brandon. Yeah, why? And the ability... The opportunity it gave me to rub shoulders with some of the oh that's true i didn't think about that i was gonna i was thinking you were going with that it's going to be interesting to kind of see what this billionaire is doing compared to a regular town person but oh, i get what you're saying no, this is was, an opportunity it a was an opportunity, opportunity. Oh, for this smart. small town kid to like Very get smart. plugged in into these big networks right i like that and and you know, almost immediately after Brandon purchased it, we were bringing in some individuals from around the world, some of the most brilliant science minds sure. around the world. And so for me, it was really, it was like, wow, you know, the, the opportunity for me to be able to rub shoulders with names that you've only heard about. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I really came from that angle as this opportunity for me to widen my horizons. That's smart. And, I like And get that. a foothold. And so... Um, How quickly after that you got in there... Did you go from skeptic to there might be something here? Well, I'm extremely hard-headed and stubborn. So, you know, I had to get hit across the head quite a few times before I finally, uh, you know, first time's a coincidence. 
Sure. Second time's a coincidence. Sure. For me, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time's a coincidence, right? Oh, wow, you're even harder than me then. I, I, the third, after the third one, I'm like, okay, there's something going on, but oh, at, wow. At some point, at some point, you realize you look like a fool by continually writing it off. Sure. And, and, uh, and, and the experiences started to get more and more traumatic to the point that uh, there was no denying it. So at some point, I was forced to admit that there's something unique about the ranch. And, and then finally admit, you know, maybe there is more going on in this world than what we... Interesting. Know. That's got to open up a whole other side to you then. Once you start to be like, okay, if, if this, then this. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if, if you were to go back, so uh, it will be seven years that I've been on the ranch in April. April will be my seven years. Wow. And if you were to go back eight years ago and tell me where I was at today, sure. I'd have laughed in your face and, <laughs> and, and called you a liar. Um, it's definitely changed the way I see the world, the way I interact with the world. Interesting. Um, like in a spiritual way or not like, like really religious? Really interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I've done not a 180 because I'm, I'm not opposite, but at the same time, everything from, yeah, I, I you know, coming onto the ranch was very religious. I was sure. raised LDS. Okay. You know, served a sure. served a Mormon mission, um, and very devout, and uh, and I still I still value those upbringings, those values, and those teachings. But I find myself. Did Did it challenge your beliefs at all? Yeah, absolutely. No kidding. Yeah, absolutely. that's tough. So, yeah, it's it's required me to. Um, when you're trying the, the the problem is you witness things and you're trying to put these these things that you witness into the the programming that you have sure right it goes sure. into this box yep. or that yep. box and it gets really tough when you're looking around and you're like i don't have a box to put that in right yeah like none that. of my beliefs none of my programming uh can account for that sure and uh and so for me it, it's required me to take inventory from top to bottom and and reevaluate everything was that scary for you to absolutely oh wow yeah i, mean, I can only imagine you know my my family my uh, i come from generations right and when you have those deep of entrenched beliefs and that and and look i still value them greatly oh of course right yeah but it's it's almost like um it's expanded the way that i look well like you said it's added some boxes Yes. Yeah. Now, what about like the health concerns of being on the ranch? Uh, uh, you know, how did how did you how do you deal with that? Because as much as it is an interesting opportunity to meet all these people that could help you out, you know, in your businesses, there's also a health concern. You got to think about that. I would assume. Yeah. So unfortunately, the health concerns didn't surface until later in. Sure. Almost until it's too late, right? Yeah. And I, and I have to be honest. Uh, my participation in the ranch has had some serious consequences, not only for me, but for my family. Sure. And, and look, I'm willing to accept responsibility for my actions and my decisions. So I have no, I have no qualms about being on that ranch when it's affecting me. But when I start seeing it affect my family, you know, my wife and my kids, they didn't 
get well that's what i was gonna ask yeah that's what i was gonna ask is like you know you know you're an adult you you know you know what you're doing but you've still got to take care of them and it's got to be more terrifying for you for them than it is for you i would assume it's heartbreaking uh you know my poor family's been through hell because of the ranch um they've they've witnessed many of the same things we've uh, you know, there's a phenomenon out there called the hitchhiker effect, yep. as it's been coined, um, and uh, and it's very much real. And it's interesting as I watch these scientists who are, you know, they only believe in what they can measure and what they can see. Sure. And and they come at it from such a uh, scientific, skeptical approach, and yet without fail, <laughs> here's these guys that have a hard time believing any of this other stuff. But when it comes to hitchhiker. They all leave the ranch believing it's 100 percent true, and and it's something that has followed me home and affected my family. And and in all honesty, if I thought that me severing ties with the ranch would make it go away, I'd do it in a second. Because of I, like again, watching it affect my family. Sure, it, it's tough. That makes it more real. I would assume. I was just going to ask that. Would you? You know, if knowing now what you know now, going back. To, seven years would you have said yes see that's so tough if we're just talking about me myself absolutely i do it all interesting over again. but when i have to take into consideration the well-being of my family sure then it becomes a really selfish decision on my side to say yeah i would put my kids through that again and and i would traumatize them again and i would i would expose them to a lot of things that i wish they hadn't been exposed to um how are they dealing with it are they you know, obviously, you know, you, it's a reality to deal with these situations, but it's not something like you can't, you can't buy a book, a parenting book about, you know, dealing with these type of situations. So how do you deal with that? How do you approach that? You know, at this point, it's just having to, in some ways it's been good because it's like kids, this is the world you live in, right? And as much as I'd love to sugarcoat it for you, as, a, as much as I'd love for you to believe that this is all, you know, dandelions and roses... There's a lot of things out there that we don't understand and, and you you know so in some ways it's it's made them more sober and more um i guess there's no illusions as to you know this crazy place that we live sure um but my i think the the dagger was uh when my oldest son came to me two years ago and he said dad when's enough gonna be enough and I was like, oh, man, how do you answer that? Well, I, honestly, I can't thank you enough for chatting with me. It's a, it's a place that I've always wanted to go to, even knowing what, what you know. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I oh, really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thanks again. I really do appreciate it. How cool was that? I mean, that was very nice of him to sit down and chat with me. Like I said, this was a last-minute thing. That uh, that Deb and the people from Alien Con did for Paranormal Almanac. There weren't anyone else really besides like the big news, like you know, like NBC News kind of people that I could see actually interviewing these people. So it really was quite the honor for them to let me get a chance to interview Thomas Winterton, and I had a great conversation. I think he was a very cool guy. I'd love to have. I'd love to do an entire episode with him. I'm not even joking. I'd love to do a full episode with him. So. If he's listening, Thomas, I'd love to talk to you again. Thank you so much. All right, let me get back into it. So from there, I did a walk of the marketplace. I wanted to see the stuff that was being sold at the Alien Con, and it's everything you'd expect. It has anything you can think of. Crystals? Yep, you got it. Psychics? Sure, why not? Skinwalker Ranch stuff? Yep, you got it. Uh, George Knapp merch? Yep, you got it. 
Giorgio Sukalos, it was Aliens, all of his stuff. Oh, you got it. Uh, Crystal Skulls, Stone Skulls, tons of them, and really freaking cool ones. I almost bought one of those, but I didn't want to spend my money on stuff like that or an Alien Con shirt. Sure, that'd be cool. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to use some of the money from the patrons to get things to talk about on this episode. Like I said, not just a merch for me. I wanted to do stuff that would be an experience that is very unique to AlienCon that I could actually talk about on this episode. So, you know, I started walking around and, and like I said, they had, you know, um, the 501st, all the Star Wars guys, yep, they had that booth. That was cool. The Star Trek guys, that booth, that was cool. They had the robot builder or the droid builders. That was way cool. One day. That's, that's a goal of mine. Um, but I was like, what, what experience could I have that I can talk about on the show? So I started to walk around and I had, you know, like kind of making like a mental checklist of, ooh, maybe that. Oh, that's a possibility. There's a psychic. Sure, but the psychic was busy. So I was like, all right, I'll hold off on that. And then I came across a booth that said, um, is there an alien in your chakra? And I was like, oh, oh, okay, here we go. Winner, winner, winner. Let's, let's, let's go here. Um, so let me get to the actual booth things. Hold on, let me scroll through my photos to get to this booth thing. Um, here we go. So they had multiple things. They had an aura chakra imaging a 12-page report was $45, 22-page report was $60. They had the multiple-dimensional multiple, di- multiple multi-dimensional quantum healing for $45. They had DNA activation. I've already got DNA. I figured I didn't need that. With before and after images for $99 and $115. They had Astra Aura, sorry, Aura Chakra Clearing Oil for $20. I think my aura was clear enough. They had um Quintessence Oracle Cards for $10, Infused Vibrational Quantum Jewelry for $20, Salt Lamps for $20, A Guide to Conscious Living Book for $15. Come on up, Rum. There we go. Hi, sweetheart. But I was like, all right, this is the one. I, I want to, I definitely want to, I want to do something here. And they also had the Energy Enhancer, which is a Pleiadian Transformation um looks like a little mini wind chime that you wear around your neck. But I was like, all right, so I want to see if there's an alien in my chakra. You got me you got me on your big big drawing thing, your big uh, banner that said that is there an alien in your chakra? Sure, let's find out if there's an alien in Kurt's chakra. So I sit down. Very nice woman. Uh, I, I cannot recall her name off the top of my head, and I feel terrible. I believe her son's name was Jordan. He was the the guy at the booth, like the you know, yeah. Come back in a couple of minutes, Kurt. We'll have, we'll be ready for you. And I was like, cool. I'll go walk around a couple of minutes later. He's like, Kurt, we're ready for you. And I came back. He was very cool. She was very nice as well. They were both very very nice. And uh, so she had me sit down at this you know like little card table behind her booth. And in front of me was this little black plastic. Um, thing that almost had like a handprint on there so I could put my hand on there, right? And with little metal nubbins that my fingers would touch when I put my hand on there. And so she said, okay, well, you know, let's, um, you know, what's your name? Let's talk. And she, you know, we, so we talked for a couple of seconds. And then she said, uh, okay, put your hand on that thing. And I did that. Raise your hand. I did that. Put your hand back on there. I did that. Raise your hand again. I did that. It was very hokey pokey for a minute there. And then, you know, did it again a few more times. And she's like, okay, I've got your reading. And it prints out this first page. 
And this first page has a, <clears throat> you can see the page on the, on the Facebook fan page, but it is an aura chakra report for Kurt says my name right on there. Uh, red orange is competitive, energetic, excitement, passion, and willpower. Remember, you are someone special. Oh, Mary is her name. It's right there. It's at the bottom. Mary is her name. She was very nice. I liked her quite a bit. And then she talked about my personal aura colors. My left side or my female side. Um, it's normally the vibration coming into your being. It's what you feel, but not what might not be what you have expressed. And then she went through all of them. The above head, which are the uh, what I experience for myself now. The right side is the uh, energy being expressed, qualities most likely seen or felt by others. The center, which is my base aura color. The dark, muddy, or multiple aura colors. My chakras. My round, circular chakra, known as my balanced energy system. And then um, it goes through all of the colors. And I had a lot of pinks and reds and oranges. And, you know, she said I was very enlightened and very, you know, spiritually minded. Um, she said that I have my male right active side as higher energy levels than my left female passive side. Um, and then it asked me a bunch of questions about myself, which I wouldn't know the answers to. Um, and she went through and said, like, you know, are you going to write a book? And I said, well, you know, I kind of wanted to write a book for the podcast. I just have a billion other things. And she's like, well, you should write a book. I think that would be really good. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'd like to write, you know, Paranormal Almanac, the book. I started on it in the pandemic, and I, you know, it got sides, you know, pushed to the side a billion times. And there's just a lot of stuff in, ahead of it. But it is on my plate. And she said that I should. And then she had me look at the picture of my aura, of my body, and my chakras, and she said, what do you see? And at the top, it really kind of does look like a gray alien head. And she's like, yeah, I, I, I see it too. You have an alien in your chakra. Not only do you have a guardian angel, but you have an alien that is with you at all times. And she wanted me to, you know, come on up. Hi, Rum. Welcome back. We're just talking about the alien in my chakra. She wants me to, you know, interact with it more and the guardian angel more. And I said, well, you know, how do I do that? What do I, you know, what do I call them? How do I, how do I summon them? Then she said, they're always kind of there. You know, you can just make them aware that you want to talk to them when you want to talk to them. And, you know, I can name them anything I want. Uh, just stick with a name. I still haven't picked a name yet because I'm terrible at picking names, but, um, that this alien and this guardian angel are both looking out for me and have both are seeing something big is on the horizon. She kept saying that there's something big on the horizon for me. And I said, well, that'd be nice. I'd like to win the lotto. And she's like, that might be it. She's like, there is, I see something big, something successful, a lot of money coming your way. And I was like, okay, yes, please. Let's do this now. But if you remember a number of episodes back, ah, Alexa, stop. Um, but there, um, you know, if you remember a couple episodes back, not a number of episodes back, I bumped into just this random person when I was walking around at a park, and she said almost this exact same thing about this, you know, this kind of stuff about me to me as well without, you know, without prompt, just kind of like what Mary was doing. And I was like, well, this is really interesting. It's kind of what's already been relayed to me, but just in by another person completely. And 
now you're adding aliens into it, which I'm always behind. I'm always behind. And I said to her, you know, so am I, am I going to be abducted? And she's like, no, no, it's not some, nothing like that. This alien is just with you. That's a multidimensional being that's just with you. And, you know, I'll go down these rabbit holes with people. I'll, I'll you know, when I'm at these kind of events, sure, you got it. I'll listen and, and I'll, I'll be open to anything that they say because it's an experience that I can talk about on this podcast. And that's what, that's what this was. So I've got this neat, I don't know how many pages. Let's see how many pages this thing is. This neat 23-page chart that cost me 45 bucks. Um, talks about my, you know, social life, relationships and intimacy, um, the mind, the energy, what each chakra means and why, and is it good and is it bad, which she said all mine were good and that I was very enlightened. So I was, you know, very happy about that. But it was a neat experience. And again, with by two very, very nice people at this booth. So I was like, all right, that's cool. That that's that's a good $45 spent. Um Again, thank you, patrons, spent that I can talk about. And, and you, you, like I said, when you see this photo, it is very, very Georgia O'Keeffe looking of a photo of a chakra. Um, so, you know, I walked around the rest of the booth and I was talking, or rest of the booths, and I was talking to some people about, you know, like alien abductions. And there was a gentleman that was just walking around showing anybody that would listen to him the photo of his, this UFO that he sees all the time. And I was like, sir, sir, I, I, I'd love to see the photo. And it's um, a fully, pin, you know, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that's, you know, he used up all his black ink to print this thing out because it was an entire black piece of paper with two white dots in the center. And he's like, there it is. You see that right there? And I was like, oh, there's two white dots. Yeah, I see that. And he goes, yeah, that's the UFO that I see every night. It's always out there. And I said, well, it kind of, you know, it kind of looks like, 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 you know, Venus or Mars. No, 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 no. It's a UFO. It's always out in the night sky. And this, I was like, oh, is it always in the, you know, you know, the, the, the Western skies? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, you know, but I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to rain on his parade. He's, he's, he's happy showing everybody. I was like, so that's very cool, sir. So I didn't put him on, I was going to record him and put it on there if there was a story to be told, but there wasn't, um, so I was like, thank you, sir. It was neat. A lot of interesting people there. A lot of interesting people. From the hardcore tinfoil hat wearing the earth is flat kind of people to the, I'll say, more people like me that are like the skeptical believers or believers, but that, you know, want to keep it kind of grounded. And then there was a guy there that was 100% against aliens and and had me sign this little declaration or wanted me to sign this declaration of us versus them, and that I will not talk to the aliens, and I will not go with the aliens. And because I was wearing my denim jacket with all the you know UFO patches and stuff on there, he gave me a patch that is like it's got a gray alien with a line through it, like the No Ghost logo. In um, that I shouldn't talk to any aliens, and there probably are aliens here at the convention, which of course there would be. Why wouldn't there be aliens at an alien con? Look, if I was at, if I was visiting another planet, and they had an Earth con or a or a Kurt con, I would go to that con, even though it's, you know, about me. So he was telling me, you know, be on the lookout and be very aware. And there's probably some men in black people here as well. And I'm like, sure, why not? I'd like to talk to all of these people. No, you don't. You don't talk to them. You stay away from them. And I was like, oh, okay, angry person. I figured, you know, this is a good time for me to get something that'll help assist me for the rest of the alien con, i.e. I need a drink. So I go across the street to the yard house 
from the Pasadena Convention Center, the Yard House, because I knew it'd be you know quick. I walked in, got a seat at the bar, ordered a pizza and a Captain and Coke, and the two people sitting next to me, very nice people. They were talking about like, oh, you were actually at the con. You seem kind of normal. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. And they're like, yeah, we want to kind of sneak in. And how cool will it be? And, you know, what do they have there? And what are the people like? And and so I started talking to them about my podcast. And they were very nice. And they said, oh, you do a podcast? That's cool. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. they're like, what's one thing that you really want for your podcast? And I said, one thing I really want on my podcast is I want a psychic that comes on that 100% without a doubt proves to me that they're a psychic. Like I had Jenny Pugh on, on uh, you know, psychic Jenny Pugh on the episode. And it was a fantastic episode and I love her for it. But I want a psychic that comes on and tells me something that nobody could know. You could Google me for days and you wouldn't know it. And they were like, oh yeah, that would be cool. And this guy sitting on the other side of them said, you want to talk about a, you want to talk to a real psychic? My wife is a real psychic. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, we got a booth here. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like, hey, give me your business card. So I gave him my business card, and he gave me his. He's like, come visit us at 715, booth 715. I'm like, 715, you got it. And he goes, when you get there, my wife's going to give you a reading that will blow your mind. And then he left. And I was like, well, yeah, of course, you just got my business card. You know my name now. You can Google me, and you can spend the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes, while I'm eating my pizza that just arrived, to find everything out about me to blow my mind. But I was like, oh, this should be interesting. I'm definitely going back. I'm going to find this guy's freaking uh, booth and I got to do it. So I finish up, you know, finish my drink. I'm now recharged and ready to, to walk back over and check everything out. Here it is. I found the, uh, the, the uh, photo of resist the ET intervention allies of humanity.org. He wanted me to sign the declaration of human sovereignty, which I would not sign. But, um, yeah, that guy was hardcore against aliens. So I find them. And, again, very nice people. His name was Mark. Her name was Anya or something like that. I already forgot her name. Um, Anyhow, she was busy talking to this guy about the crystal that both her and he wore around their neck. And he tried to get me to buy one at Yard House. And he was like, you know, normally they're $650. But today only, like a real QVC kind of hard sale and I was like, oh, no, thank you. I only got a little bit of money, and I got to get a, you know, see what, I, see what else is out there. But um, so I get to the booth, and it is all about this crystal called Palinette. And it's not from this earth. Palinette is a crystallized Palinette as seen on Cosmic Disclosure. It energizes all living things, people, plants, waters, and other crystals, and more. I don't know what the Amor is. He never told me what the more is. It's from Off Planet. It was found near Amarillo, Texas, and it's expensive as shit. I can tell you that right now. Palinette, it's pricey, uh, but it is part of a crashed UFO, and the crashed UFOs were actually made of Palinette. They were part of the consciousness of the UFO and the beings that were there. How they found out all about this, I asked him. Um, and he said, well, we found out about this from Jeremiah of the Galactic Federation. Because, of course, he did. Stupid question, Kurt. Um, so he was talking to me about this, and he's like, you know, <clears throat> he's like, you want to, you know, you want to feel what it's like to to have your energy level raised. And I said, yeah, well, yeah. You know, it sounds like he wants to get me high, but sure, why not? So he said, all right, so before 
before you grab, before you touch the crystals, I want to, you want me, I want, you want me to do a reading for you? And I was like, sure. Yeah, you can do a reading on me. That's, that's fine. And I was like, you know, kind of tensing up to be like, you know, just don't touch me. Um, and he didn't, but he did this kind of like, I dream of genie blink at me. And then he grabbed the, the skin. If you hold your left hand up, the skin that's between your finger and your thumb, if you take your other hand and you pinch that skin right there between your finger and your thumb, and this is what he did. He pulled on it on his hand, not mine. He went 100, 200. And every time you counted, he pulled that little skin between his finger and his thumb. 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600. 601, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. He's like, Kurt, right now you're at 611. And I went, ooh, is that a, you know, is, is that a good score? Is that a bad, out of what? Is it out of a million or is it out of 612? Like, give me some context here, Mark. And uh, it turns out to be out of a thousand, but that number went out the window almost immediately. So for a minute, I was like, that ain't bad. That's like a, you know, like a B plus. I, I'm fine with that. And then he said, all right, now take two pieces of the palinette. And he handed me two pieces of this stuff that looked to me like selenite. But he says it's not. And I said, did you ever have a, ge uh, uh, did you ever have a geologist look at this? And he got really angry at that question. He's like, no, no, God, no. Geologists wouldn't know what to do with this stuff. This isn't from this earth, Kurt. Jeremiah of the Galactic Federation told, I'm like, yep, you got it. Sorry, bad question. I'll, I'll just let me hold two pieces. Because I was really hoping for like an e-reader or some, you know, measure my thetans kind of bullshit. But nope. So he had me hold these two pieces of palinette and close my eyes. He's like, all right, now stand there and close your eyes for a couple of minutes. And I was like, ah, uh, you're going to touch my dick. I just know it. Um, so I closed my eyes and I stood there, you know, like, please don't touch my penis kind of a thing. And he didn't. He was a very nice man. Didn't touch my penis. But um, I held it for a couple of minutes. And I will say, maybe because it's a very loud um, convention hall, I, I did notice that I was kind of rocking back and forth a little bit after 30 seconds of holding on to Palinette. I, like, almost like I was on like the balls of my feet, like I was like on a, like a, a stick or something like that, you know, it was kind of rocking back and forth kind of a thing, like a wave motion. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But, you know, I do have my eyes closed. Also, I just had a Captain and Coke. I don't think I'm drunk, but maybe I'm drunk. Also, I'm really kind of afraid that this guy Mark's going to touch my penis. So that could be like a defense mechanism. My body's just doing automatically. I don't know. Let's find out what happens. And he's like, Kurt, all right, you ready? And then I was like, oh, shit, I'm back. All right, cool. Yep. So I put down the two pieces of Palinette. They seem very nice pieces of Palinette. I put them down and he grabs it, you know, he does the little I dream a genie blink again. He's got me, you know, he's, he's got my score ready. And he does that little hand thing again. And this time he's like 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900. Boom. I'm already impressed. I'm at 900. This, this right, the piece of paper in front of me says it goes to a thousand. He just told me a thousand, 900. And then he starts doing the little like one, two, three, four, five. And he got up to 922. So just in a couple of minutes of holding Palinette, my score went from 611 to 922. And I was like, whew, all right, man, I don't need to buy this thing. Because he said, he goes, once it's once your score hits that, it never goes down. I'm there. I'm, I'm 922 now. And I went, oh, wow. I, well, I don't need the Palinette then. That's almost 1,000. You said 1,000 the most. Uh, and I was like, so, Mark, what's your score? And he goes, oh, my score is 10,000. I went, what the fuck? You just said it was 1,000 was the high score, and you're at 10,000? Come on, man. But all right, I get it. You got to like, you know, hard sell me. But he said that, you know, my score will never go down. So here's my thing. I want to find this guy at the next alien con. It's my whole goal to find this guy at the next alien con. He won't remember what I look like. I'm going to walk up. I won't be wearing my, my patch jacket. I'll be like very nonchalant. I'm going to walk up and have him do that little 
you know, 100, 200, 300 thing and see if he says 922. And if he does, yeah, I'll, I'll buy a piece of Palinet because this guy's got either a phenomenal memory or, and I was listening because she was doing it to a gentleman while he was doing it to me. And he got a different score than me. Guy had, that guy next to me, he only had 300. And I was like, fuck, this guy sucks. I got 622. Beginning score 622, dick. And then he only went up to like 700, and I went up to 922. So obviously I was better than him is what I'm saying. But um, so I want to see if I can see them again next year. And if he says 922, I'll be damn impressed. And then, yeah, I'll buy a piece of Palinette, um, which I did, but I don't want to jump ahead. So he starts telling me about the people that have done this experiment. And he starts talking about Princess Margaret of Norway. And I was like, oh, I'm Norwegian. He's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm Scandinavian. Cool. That's cool. All right, Kurt. Yeah, you're a good guy. I like you. And I'm like, yep, Mark, I like you too, buddy. Don't touch my penis. Um, so he starts talking to me about the princess and how when she did it, she's holding the two pieces of palinette and she starts speaking angel speak. And I was like, what's that now? And he's like, yeah, she started speaking angel speak to my wife. And he goes, the good thing is that my wife spoke it and I speak it as well. And so we're talking back and forth with her in angel speak. And I was like, oh, man, I kind of want to hear angels speak, but I don't want them to yell at me in some weird language. I don't want to be like, yada, 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 you know, that kind of a thing. So I was like, oh, that's cool, man. And he's telling me about her, you know, her 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 security guard was like, you know, doing it as well. And I was like, well, yeah, they're probably freaking out because you, you know, touched a princess. But so he goes through that whole thing. And I'm like, so, Mark, I want to talk to you about the reason I came over here, the reason that we met over at Yard House while I was drinking and you were drinking a beer. A psychic reading. I want your wife to give me a psychic reading. Because that guy that had the low score, he fucked off. He, you know, he was, I'm a loser. And he walked away. And we all agreed he sucked. He had a low score. Um, so I was like, you know, I want to talk to your wife. And, you know, have her do a reading. And this is when this grown man, this ballsy grown man said the following phrase to me. He goes, Oh, sure. Yeah, of course, Kurt. If you want my wife to give um if you want my my wife to give you a psychic reading, you're going to have to pay to sit in the Galactivation station. And then he points behind him. And behind him is a plastic folding chair, and underneath the plastic folding chair is like a dog bowl or like like a Pyrex dish actually, not a dog bowl. It's a Pyrex dish filled with palinet. More palinet than you've ever seen in your life. And and I just Sat there for a second. And I said, did a grown man just say to another grown man, i.e. me, if you want my wife to give you a psychic reading, you have to pay to sit in the Galactivation station. That's a ballsy move. That right there is the most ballsy sentence you could ever say to anyone ever. And I thought about it on the way home. And I thought, you know, in my lifetime, I thought the most ballsy sentence ever said to someone would have been, like, you know, there's like a creepy guy and a creepy and his creepy wife at a bar and they see some like hot girl sitting alone and they walk up and they go like, hey, we noticed you sitting alone. We were just wondering if, you know, you'd like to fuck us. Like, that's where I thought the creepiest sentence ever would have been, you know, trying to con some woman into having a menage a trois with two kind of ugly people. Nope. It is 100%. You have to pay to sit in my Galactivation station and then with all earnest point behind him to a plastic folding chair and a Pyrex dish, a Pyrex dish with freaking crystals in it. And there was a stuffed animal alien sitting in the chair. So I didn't ask him how much it was. I think he said it was like 85 or something, 
But there was no amount of money. If it was 10 bucks, maybe, but it didn't feel like it was going to be there. It was kind of pricey. I was like, no, I'm not blowing the patron's money to sit in a plastic chair with a bunch of shit crystals underneath me while I'm holding a stuffed animal alien on the off chance that a woman who has my business card, who has had plenty of opportunity to look me up, will tell me probably, oh, I think your name is Kurt and um, you're from Michigan and you like They Might Be Giants and you love the paranormal. No, fuck that noise. Um, So I thought it was ballsy. I thought it was a very ballsy statement and, you know, good on them for trying. So if you want to buy some Palinette, see, it sounds like I'm dissing them, which I kind of am, but to make up for the fact that I'm kind of making fun of them, if you want to buy a piece of Palinette, you can go to Love My Crystals. That's crystals with a Z, by the way. Crystals. LoveMyCrystals.com. And, um, yeah, they got a lots. Of, they got elixirs. They got uh, readings. They got crystals. They got all kinds. Of, the more, more Palinette than you'll ever need in your life. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to obviously make fun of them a little bit on the show. So um, I should buy a crystal. And I said, you know, Mark, I, I don't have a lot of money. What do you got? Like, how much is this one? And I picked the smallest one that I could see. And he's like, ooh, that's a good one. And I'm like, of course it is. I've got a 922 score, Mark. Of course I'm picking a good one. So he's like, and he puts it on this little scale because it's, you know, sold by the gram. It's very, you know, drug dealery kind of thingy. And he goes, oh, that one's like $250. Like, ah, ah, no. What do you got under $60? I'll pay up to $60. And I kid you not, he pulls out this little box with like pinky nail sized pieces of Palinette. And the first one he was like, oh, this one's $85. I'm like, nope, got to go even smaller. I, I still have to be able to see it because he told me it doesn't matter how big or small the piece of Palinette is. If I have it on me, it's only going to raise my score up more and more and more each day. Um, so he found me this tiniest, tiniest little sliver of Palinette. And he's like, you know what? This one's $40. And I said, like, $40? Boom. That deal. Here's my card. Take my money. You know, I'm not going to have sex with you and your wife. Don't touch my junk. Um, so I did. I bought a piece of Palinette. I have it in a little baggie. I charged it up in the moonlight, like my neighbor said, because I showed it to my neighbor, and she's like, this is selenite. I'm like, no, it's not. Don't say that. He'll get angry. No geologist can figure out what this is. It's from a UFO. Jeremiah of the... And I went through that whole thing with her. Um, and, and surprisingly, I'll, uh, you know, she didn't kick me out of her house, but she told me to charge it up in the moonlight. So I charged it up in the moonlight. So it's all charged up. It's ready to rock and roll. Uh, I'm going to try and find some little locket or something. And I'm gonna put the palinette in the locket, like some cool old, like vintage or antique locket, maybe a Mason locket. That'd be cool. And put the palinette in there and just rock the palinette from now on, man. And my scores is going to go up and up and up 922, baby. You know, so, you know, if you get a chance to meet these people or if they, maybe they can do it online. I don't know. Find out what your score is and let's compare scores. I want everybody to get a score from them and then let's compare scores and let's see. And, and whoever's got the highest score, they're buying the first round at the Parapod, Parapod Festival. Does that sound like a good deal? All right. Hold on one second. And with that, I was like, that's a good day. That was a damn good day. Oh, I'm sorry. No, before that, before I left, I have one more panel to go to. I apologize. So I went to one more panel. I actually technically went to two, but I will say I left a panel because there was one panel where the guy didn't remember people's names. And it was names like, you know, George Knapp, like people that were there. 
and Jay Stratton. And I was like, all right, if you don't know the names, like you should be prepared for your panel. But he loved using his laser pointer. So I was like, I'm going to skip that one. But I did go to another really cool panel. It was Cryptozoology 101. And it was a really fun beginner's guide to cryptozoology. And if you guys have listened to this podcast before, you know everything that you need to know about cryptozoology for me. Because as you know, I've got a degree in cryptozoology. I got during the pandemic. And boy, howdy, was I really proud of being like cryptozoologist because I had that little pin on my jacket that says that. I'm like, yep, that's me, cryptozoologist. Um, It was a very fun panel. If you didn't know anything about it, you walked out of there with some knowledge about cryptozoology. So I thought that was a very cool panel. And with that, thus ends day one of AlienCon. I went out to dinner with Deshaun Bishop because he lives near Pasadena. So I was like, I got to hang out with him and had a fantastic time with him. It was great. And then uh, date uh, when I got home, I got an email from Deb from AlienCon saying, hey, Kurt, how would you like to interview a couple more people tomorrow? But it had to be bright and early. And I said, that'd be fantastic. I would love that. So I got to AlienCon day two at like 8 a.m., which was fine. I had no problem doing it. It was an absolute pleasure. And day two started with this next interview. I was lucky enough to interview a man that I've wanted to interview for a while now. His name is Nick Pope. If you don't know him, he worked for the UK's Ministry of Defense. Despite what I said when I was talking to him, I said stupidly Department of Defense. But that's because I was very excited to talk to him. And plus, I had just drank a ginormous iced tea and I was caffeinated out of my skull. But uh, Nick Pope worked for the UK Ministry of Defense. He investigated UFOs and other unexplained mysteries for the UK government. He actually worked as a civil servant for the Ministry of Defense from 1985 to 2006. Incredible. From 91 to 94, he worked in um, the Secretariat, uh, most commonly known as the UFO Desk. He was Fox Mulder. You'll hear me say it to him in a second in the interview. He's Fox Mulder, 100%. Um. He's a brilliant man. He's a great speaker. If you have the opportunity to hear him speak at a panel, go and listen to him. He is brilliant. He has got more energy than I'll ever have in my life. Anyhow, please enjoy this interview with the other microphone connected to the Zoom, so it's slightly better. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's my interview with Nick Pope. Absolutely fantastic. What an honor it was to talk to him. And man, would I love to talk to him in a full episode because it was just brilliant. Hi, I'm Kurt from Paranormal Almanac. I'm a skeptical believer that thinks that science will be used to prove the paranormal, UFOs, UAPs, all of that stuff, which is why I was so excited to talk with you. Because I think you have, well, everything I've read about you and heard about you, you have to use a scientific method to disprove the UFOs that, that, you know, what was it, 5% that you couldn't explain out of thousands? Yes, and I'm not a scientist myself, but I'm a great fan of the scientific method. Yes. And my wife is a professor and and a scientist, so she's always keeping me street legal (laughs) when it comes to what science is and what it isn't. How are you know? How do you go to something a convention like this where there are true believers where they think everything is a UFO, and how do you how do you try to get them to understand that not everything is unexplainable? Well, I think I just talk to them and and try to say, look, this is the way that those of us who've looked at this from within government handle this subject. 
these are the investigations and, and here are the results. And the results are about 80% of, of sightings sure. were explained with a high degree of confidence, 15% insufficient data, 5% unknown. But even with that, I say 5% does not mean they're alien spacecraft, though neither do we rule out that possibility. And, and one of my favorite sayings about all this is that the skeptics have to be right every day, the believers only need to be right once. That's true, I and, like that. And so, you know, I, I take the approach that this is worth doing for, for several reasons. It's, it's interesting and it's important. I mean, in terms of societal impact, this would be huge. Oh, God, yeah, and that's the thing, like, I think as a society, and we're kind of seeing it now, you know, disclosure wouldn't be the end of the world that it would have been in the 40s or the 50s. And from what it looks like to, to myself and a lot of people is that we're slowly getting piecemeal of a disclosure. Do you think we'll ever actually get to disclosure? I don't know. I, I've heard a lot of people, including insiders like Chris Mellon and Lou Elizondo, mm -hmm. talk about disclosure as a process and, and say one day you'll wake up and realize that it's done. It's yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, as you say, piece by piece. Uh, I mean, who would have thought five and a half years ago yeah. that we would be here now with NASA doing a study, with the DOD and the intelligence community doing a study and having a new office set up in the, the Pentagon looking at this, with Congress taking an interest, yeah. with multiple UAP provisions in the new defense bill. I mean, who would have thought? And and all the mainstream media coverage of this. Oh, God, yeah. well, would you have thought that? You worked with the, DO, with the Department of Defense, or no? At uh, the Ministry of Defense. Ministry of Defense, sorry. Ministry of Defense. Would you have thought that we would get to where we were today when you started your job there? No, when I was doing this for the British government in the 90s, even within the department, uh, we were regarded as the, the little maverick section doing, doing the, well, I suppose the real life X-Files. Yeah, and, and of yeah. course, literally, uh, you would get people whistling the theme tune of the X-Files uh, when, when I was walking down the corridor and, and things like that. So, so it was very much regarded as fringe, sure. even in the ministry, but, but sure, with the, um, the media and the wider public too. Things did change around about 2008, oh, although I had left the Ministry of Defense by then on taking early retirement. They asked me to come back and help with the program to declassify and release most of the UFO files. Yeah. And th those were sent to the National Archives. And that, which, it, which was a rolling program, which actually took about 11 years, did go some way towards transitioning the subject into the mainstream in the UK. It really did. It opened up, it seemed to really open up the doors because like you said, for, for the longest time, it was a fringe or some of the, like the, the, the rag tabloids would talk about it, but the mainstream media really weren't talking about it. And your work definitely helped kind of solidify the mainstream media. What's it like to be, you know, you mentioned the X-Files, what's it like to be the real life Fox Mulder? <laughs> I guess it's quite fun. At, at first I was a little, hey, wait, you know, I, I do a serious government job. That's, yeah. but I, as time went on, I actually, I actually met Chris Carter and David nice. Duchovny and nice. I, I did some, um, some promotional work on, on the second X-Files movie oh, and, right. yeah. and things like that. So I, I, you know, I, and I, 
I'm a huge X-Files fan. So <laughs> yeah. any initial sniffiness soon evaporated. And I was like, no, that's fun. I'll, I'll take that. I mean, who wouldn't want to be the real life Fox Mulder? It's right. cool. Exactly. And even better, I am married to uh, my wonderful, beautiful wife, who is a scientist, scientist. a skeptic, and a redhead. So she is the real life <laughs> Dana Scully. Scully. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you, you seem to approach this with an air of, you know, you want to know about it, but you're also having fun with it. There's a lot of people that it gets kind of bogged down because of the frustrations or you can't talk about everything. How do you keep that, how do you maintain your, your positiveness towards this, or positivity towards this topic? I think part of it goes back to the fact that I think this is interesting and important. So I have a genuine passion and enthusiasm for it. But when I come to an event like AlienCon, sure. I think it's, it's, you know, there are lots of good UFO conferences out there. But sometimes I think they make the mistake, or some of them do, of trying to imitate an academic uh, scientific conference and and some yes. can be a little dry this is a convention conventions are about having fun like sure that. there is some great information out there i mean look we had the the panel with jay stratton oh, travis yeah. taylor and gary yeah. nolan so there is some serious information coming from genuine insiders but there are people dressed up as as, as sci-fi characters See, and people yeah. are having fun if you can't bring if you can't have fun what's the point I agree. Oh, I completely agree. And I, like, I, I agree. There's, there's been a couple of conferences where I went to where I was like, I'm falling asleep on a topic that is one of my favorite topics in the world, but it just got so dry and it was very scientific. So I agree. It is, it is nice to have some fun. Since you mentioned all of the people like, like Jay Stratton, who seems to be at kind of the cusp of the new investigations for UAP. In fact, I think he coined the term. Um, do you ever get any little insider tips? I'm not going to have you like break his confidence, but do you ever get any kind of insider tips? Is it fun to kind of be on the inside? Well, you know, obviously I don't any longer hold a security clearance, yeah. so so there are some, some obvious red lines there. I think what I would say is that when I sit down and, and talk to these sorts of people, we have, without divulging any, any classified information, but we have a sort of insider to insider perspective sure. that make our conversations interesting. Will, do you think that some of the stuff that you worked on, do you think it will ever, or all of the stuff that you worked on back in the day, do you ever think that will, all of it will ever come out? Or has it come out? Most of it has. Uh, I, I mentioned the UK's UFO files yeah. at the National Archives. I mean, I wrote a lot of those documents, yeah. of course. So that's, it's a fun blast from the past <laughs> seeing that. There is some material that I am, not sure it will come out. I think it's covered by exemptions to the Freedom of Information Act, yep. but that's not, you know, people get a little suspicious. Yes. It's very often that sort of thing is, is, is uh, information that's been passed to you in confidence by another nation sure. or information, the disclosure of which might compromise the capability of military radar systems, sure. um, methods and sources of gathering intelligence, that sort of thing. So it's not, we've got a spaceship hidden in a hangar um, <laughs> and we're not telling. If, if they do have one hidden away they didn't tell me i was gonna say that was gonna be my next question do you have yeah no all right i don't <laughs> i don't i don't you know I, I don't rule out the possibility that that someone does because oh, yeah. one thing i've learned in in my 21 years working for the the uk ministry of defense three three years on the ufo program but also other postings where i was involved in things like uh, security policy counterterrorism, and things one thing i've learned is that that the levels of classification 
coupled with the compartmentalized nature of those organizations mean that sometimes the, the person in the next office might have the answer that you're looking for and you wouldn't know. How frustrating is that? Very. I, it's got to be. You're one door away or one office away from the answer, the answer. But if you don't have the need to know and the appropriate security clearance, even if you think that, but hey, this is my thing, you won't get in. Wow. That has got to be frustrating. I... <laughs> I, I gotta say that, like, I think. Well, actually, you know, let me ask this question first because I wanted to know it. And I want to make sure I get it in before we run out of time. The royal family. It came out that the royal family had an interest in UFO UAPs. Did you ever have any interactions with them regarding some of the files that you were working on? I didn't. I was aware of that interest, particularly from uh, Prince Philip, but he was very discreet with it. Obviously, there are huge sensitivities with the royal family, and uh, they, in recent years, have had other issues to take up their time. Um, when Prince Philip was doing this, and I think he was more active uh, with his interest in this back in the, the 60s sure. and, and things, but when he was doing it, he, he usually did it through an intermediary, so there would be a royal equerry uh, doing that. Uh, so yeah, I was aware of his interest, so but I did not. there was a separation then? There, there was a separation, but I, I, like I say, I was aware of his interest, but I did not uh, ever have a direct meeting okay. with him to discuss any of this. Oh, thank you. I, we're almost out of time. I want to make sure I get to... So, with your work, did you find you became more of a believer, or did you stay the same level that you started at? It yo-yoed somewhat. <laughs> I think uh, I started off fairly skeptical. I became, you know, much more open to it. But then particularly, I think, when I married Elizabeth and when we started talking about sure, science yeah. more, she kind of reeled me back a little and and grounded me. And, and so I, I'm, you know, cautious now. But I still think life out there, absolutely. Sure. Life visiting us down here, maybe. I don't know. I would like to think so. As I often say, the, the world would be more interesting and fun with aliens in than without. I agree. Do you think that in, in our lifetime, we will know? Yes. And I think it's more likely to come through science. I think it would, it might come through the James Webb Space Telescope. Yeah. It might come through, when they finish it, the Square Kilometer Array. Oh, sure. um, it will probably come through detection of a, a techno signature. Uh, I mean, obviously, with some of the, uh, what is it, biosignatures, there's sure. a debate about whether it's biology or geology, yep. and, and that's very complex and way over my head. <laughs> but a technosignature, if we found something like a, a, a Dyson sphere, Dyson sphere or repeating signals, repeating yeah. signals yeah. with pi, like in yep. the, the movie Contact, um, that, that would be pretty much a slam dunk. I agree. Um, so I think it will come through science and not through ufology, but um, then, then ufology and ancient astronaut theory will, will say this is a vindication and we'll see how much of yeah. that backstory is right and the chips will fall where they may. Yeah, see, we told you long ago, no one listened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I thank you so much. I don't want to take up your, too much of your time. Um, so, but uh, but the, the final question, um, I, I guess the final question is, so we talked a little bit about the UFOs and a little bit about science. What is your perspective on the paranormal outside of UFOs? I don't know very much about it because I, I just don't have time to, to spread myself too thin. But, but when you look at the paranormal, I mean, when you look at things like uh, ghosts 
for example. It's such a cross-cultural, ancient phenomenon. Yeah. So many, you know, reports from since the dawn of time that you, you know, part of me just thinks, and this is a gut feeling that, that there's no smoke without fire, and there's something to this. I like a lot of people. Maybe who, uh, and again, I think I'm stealing a Lou Elizondo quote. He said he didn't didn't like the term paranormal. And one thing that I always say is is it's not necessarily say paranormal or against when people say you couldn't do this because it's contrary to the laws of physics. My response is contrary to the laws of physics as we currently understand them. Exactly. And of course we're constantly pushing the boundaries of that and discovering new things. Yeah. So so maybe the paranormal some of it will turn out to be genuine but just uh, following say known and accepted principles but, but with applications that we're not yet aware of, or unknown principles, which, while seeming very strange and spooky, actually do fit in somewhere with a scientific model. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I, like I said, I, I, and I agree that the term paranormal has is, is got such a stigma or just a, a bad rap to it that it's, it's tough to... I mean, I named my podcast Paranormal Almanac, but it even you know, irks me as well because it immediately causes a stigma. But yeah, I completely agree. I think that, uh, you know, like I said, science will be the key for everything. And it's just a matter of when we catch up to the correct science. Well, that's actually one of the reasons why I've, one of the UAP provisions in the new defense bill calls for a proper yeah. integrated science plan that must run through all the UAP work being done by, by NASA, where you would think it would be first nature sure. to them of course you know yeah. but but also the dod because i think previously some some uh government ufo programs have not been as scientific oh, no. as they should be and arguably government doesn't necessarily always do science that well anyway that's a whole nother story sure. um that's why i think it's great that jay stratton brought travis taylor in so that there was a chief scientist to the uap task force and that's why science must run through the pentagon's all domain anomaly resolution office and through everything else that's happening right now yeah oh definitely it, it, it gives that legitimacy that we needed to a topic like i said that's slowly getting rid of the stigma but it's still there Thank you so, so much for chatting with me. I, I knew it was going to be an enjoyable topic and even better than I was hoping. So I can't thank you enough for this. Thank you so much. Thanks. I've enjoyed the conversation. See what I mean? This guy, again, energetic, laser focused, knew what he was talking about. Just a delight to listen to. And what a fantastic conversation. Yes, I only got 10 to 12 minutes with each of the, the people I got to interview. Would I have liked 30 minutes? Of course I would, but they are very, very busy. It was AlienCon. They had multiple panels. They had their own booths. They had, they're getting photo opportunities with them, autograph opportunities with them. So there was a lot of that. For them to take out the time to talk with me was absolutely incredible. And then um, my final interview for the day was with a man that I've actually talked to before, and he's on a previous episode, Dr. Travis Taylor. If you don't know him, just watch Skinwalker Ranch Show because, man, you will know who I'm talking about. If you go, if you watch the Skinwalker Ranch, um, sorry, hold on one second. I'm trying to do a billion things at once. I want to get his little blurb. So if you watch The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, You'll know him right away. If Even if you were blind, you'd know him. 
Uh, he is a gentleman that has a Southern twang. He's a Southern gentleman. He is an astrophysicist. He is an engineer. He's a best-selling author, holds PhDs in optical science and engineering, aerospace system engineering, master's degrees in physics and astronomy. For the past 25 years, he has worked on various high-tech programs from the Department of Defense and NASA. He's worked with Jay Stratton. He is the newest member of the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. And he is the one that does, does all the crazy cool experiments. It was an absolute pleasure to talk with him again. Um, it just enjoy, you know what? He doesn't need more of an in introduction than that. It was a phenomenal interview. Thank you, sir. Thank you for talking with me again. If I ever get the chance, I'd love to talk to you a full episode because I could listen to you all day, sir. Thank you so much. Enjoy this interview with Dr. Travis Taylor. But uh, thank you so much. Uh, the one thing that I, I, I liked in our last talk, even though my podcast is called Paranormal Almanac, I, is that you and I have a almost, now I'll say I have a disdain for the word paranormal. I Absolutely. Know. There we go. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so what's it like to work on stuff that a lot of people term as paranormal and try to prove the scientific sides of it? Well, so what I like to do is realize where there needs to be cultural shifts. Uh, if it's inside this universe, it's supposed to be here, so yeah. it's normal. Yeah. Paranormal means it's something from outside the universe. Well, or does that even mean it's something from outside the multiverse? Right? Interesting. So paranormal is not a really good word for scientific exploration. And, but people have used it. It's become a, it's a thing like everybody says, at least in the South, we, there's no such thing as a soda. It's all Coke. <laughs> it's true. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even if it's Dr. Pepper, it's a Coke. Yep. Right? And so I, I realize that that's what people are doing. But what I'm trying to do is slowly create a change, a paradigm. And just like I don't like the word believer. Sure. Right? I, if, if it happened to you and you have evidence to yourself, you don't have to show everybody else, you don't have to prove it to anybody else. If, you, if it happened to you, quit saying you believe it happened to you and know that it happened to you. Yeah. You're or a that knower. It's an experience. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You are a knower. Yeah. You're not a believer. I like that. And I want to throw that kind of stuff out. And we got to change how we look at things and how we do science. And I'll, I'll give you my, uh, one thing that's my, my biggest pet peeve. And it's probably because I had an argument with Carl Sagan when I was 17, and he was a total <laughs> jerk to me. Uh, but uh, Carl Sagan, has, he basically ruined science in the 70s and 80s when he came up with it, when he made this quote, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Yep. That does not fit in the scientific method at all. Because if you listen to what he's saying, if you're going to make a claim, and I don't like what your claim is, you better have extraordinary evidence. You only, I'm only going to look at the extraordinary evidence. Scientific method says you look at all the data, exactly. all the evidence, evidence. everything. Yeah. And that has no place in, in science. Saying that some category of unknown is fringe has no place in science. Shame on any scientist that ever says that, right? Because if you don't know what's happening over there, if you're a true scientist at heart, if you're truly trained to be a scientist, then you're trained to ask why is that doing that? And what, what hypothesis can I come up with that I could test with an experiment to see what that might be? I really like that because, as you know, there's people that everything is real. No matter what it is, you know, I can't see it and there's no evidence. It's real. But then there's <clears throat> scientists that dig their feet in just as hard on the other side that says, 
it can't be real. Oh, it's all balloons. Exactly. Yeah. There's 10 to the 22 stars in this universe. <laughs> there's no way no, there's no. other life out there. Exactly. Yeah, that's the dumbest crap I ever heard. I agree you know? completely. Yeah. You know, so I, I, you know, I'm going to talk about that some today, uh, but uh, you, you, you've heard all these stories at, at Skinwalker Ranch about, uh, like, the previous uh, investigation guys from Bigelow yeah. talking about, uh, George Knapp says, well, these guys saw this creature with a dog head. Yep. And everybody's like, oh, my God. And they get up and walk out. And then you hear John Dover tell about the, how the, Na the Navajo believe that there are yeah. things with horse heads walking around. So think about this. What if there is – so the human body is a sensor with multiple sensors. It's got, got visual. You can only see a little bitty bit of the electromagnetic spectrum, a tiny bit. Yep. It's audio. You can only hear a teeny, teeny, tiny bit of, yep. the, of the acoustic spectrum, right? And it's the same way with temperature, with pressure, with everything, with, with the things you can smell and taste. While we have great sensors, we are only evolved to, to see and feel and taste and know the things are immediately affecting our survival. Yeah. Right? Well, if there's other pieces in the, uh, in the parts of the spectrum of interacting with us and we don't know what it is and how it's interacting with us, our brain is going to gather information from everything it knows and create patterns because your brain works by p making patterns sure, sure. so whatever it's information could be getting into the brain about whatever was happening to these people could have been a dude with a dog head smoking a cigarette <laughs> sure and it, sure. it could be completely bizarre and make no sense yeah but did anybody bother to go and see if there was an interesting electromagnetic signal or if there was some sort of quantum physics phenomena going on or if there was some sort of hallucinogenic or you know all yeah. these things right yeah. Well, like, like you said yesterday in your panel, the, 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 the predator... Oh, whatever that thing was, yeah, right. Like that, even you, a scientist, astrophysicist, caused you to pause and be like, what am I seeing right here and how do I rationalize that? I, uh, and we didn't want to even say what it was when it, when, I mean, we were like, no, it can't be. And, and then when I talked to Jay the next morning on the phone, he yeah. was like, dude, we saw that when we were <laughs> out there. And I'm like, well, what, what is it? Like, we don't know. We called it the predator. And I said, oh, we saw it in the book that you guys called it. That. And, and, uh, and, of course, at the time, none of the guys on the team knew I was talking to Jay. Or, sure. right? And I had the access to all the big little stuff. So I couldn't tell them. Um, and so it, was, it, it's, it, was, it made, made the dynamic very interesting. And, and I was kind of walking on a, fin a very thin uh, balance beam. But uh, one, of, one of the things that it make you're right. Uh, I should not have allowed myself to worry sure. that people were going to make fun of me when I said that I saw something that I couldn't explain. Sure. Because I know that I saw something that I couldn't explain, and I don't give a crap what someone in the New York Post or, the, or, or, or on the Internet or YouTube, UFO Twitter or whatever. <laughs> I could care less what they say about it. I know that I saw it. Now, here's the next step, though. I have to conduct scientific experiments yep. to determine what it was that I saw. And that's something that if you just say, oh, it's fringe, don't worry about it, you're stupid, I'm gonna, you're imagining it. Well, then nobody will ever go look. That's right. You never get that next step. It's just balloons, man. It's just balloons. <laughs> How frustrating is it for you to either have information or have heard information that you can't share? <clears throat> is it frustrating? Um, yes and no. Uh, you know, I've been... I wrote a book about, you know, how we'd defend the earth if there were alien yeah. invasion. It was a textbook. I mean, I wrote it uh, for uh, customers in the uh, intelligence community that just asked the question. I didn't, they didn't pay me to do it, but they said, well, what would happen if this did happen? So I investigated it sure. and wrote the book. And there's a whole chapter in that book called The Need to Know. And so let me give you this little scenario. 
if uh, we find or shoot down or capture a UFO and uh, we're trying to reverse engineer that thing, if we discovered its energy source, for example, uh, we would become the, the certainly the super economy uh, with the global energy, right? Yeah. And uh, but if if it you released it to the public, uh, everybody in the on the planet would know it, even bad actors. Okay. So you have to sure. have to think about it from that perspective. But if it's a pending invasion, even if it's an invasion we don't even understand, you know, it could be economic, religious, biological. Uh, or full-on sci-fi, you know, ray gun attack. <laughs> but we don't want them to know that we have some of their technology and are trying to understand the holes and the, the weak links in the in the armor, right? And uh, so my favorite quote from my favorite science fiction author, Robert Heinlein, is, a secret weapon must be just that, a secret. And so, so I know you want to know, sure. right? I want to know. Sure. But do you have the need to, are you the person that should be working on that project? But here's the thing that we do need, that we don't have and haven't had, is we need, at least the way the American Constitution is set up, that there must be people chosen by the people who have oversight of what these people behind the doors are doing. With our best interest. With our best interest, yes. And and so that's why we need the whistleblower clause. there needs to be a congressional oversight committee, but here's here's the thing: this new move that was made recently, where they put Arrow under the National Security Advisor, puts it in the executive branch and gives them executive privilege, and they will be able to tell Congress to go, you know, you know, you yeah. know, jump in a lake, yeah, and, exactly. and and so it removed congressional oversight. I think every every American that's interested in this topic, and every American should be concerned about that. I agree, completely agree. I never think I don't think that. It was in our best interest. And I don't think that Amer- the Americans understand what happened to us right there. Oh, I agree. This was this was a chess move, chess game. I don't believe in conspiracies, but I also don't believe in coincidences. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Well, final final question. Um, I know you can't spoil anything. It was very apparent on the, on the panel not to spoil <laughs> anything. Um, what, you don't have to tell me what it was, but was there something that shocked you that's coming up for everybody that we can see? We did 14 episodes uh, last summer. Basically, we were there from July the 5th till November the 2nd or 3rd, something like that. And uh, in those 14 episodes, I would say you'll see 14 shocking <laughs> things. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, man. Once again, it was... There you have it. Uh, see what I mean? He is a delight to talk to. All of them were. Nick Pope, again, a man I've wanted to speak with forever. Thomas Winterton and Dr. Travis Taylor, all three of them, an absolute delight to have this quick conversations with. For only having like 10 minutes, I personally think that I got a great conversation with them. I got to have a great conversation with them. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I liked having the conversation with them. Um. It's absolutely incredible. It was an incredible experience. Alien Con, can't thank them enough. Even if you don't go there doing the press thing like I did, if you just go there just to go there and see the panels, you know, you pay and buy a ticket for it, you are going to get a damn good experience. It's a long day of multiple panels that you get to pick and choose from. 
You get to meet the people that are doing these TV shows about these amazing topics. They're very open and very, you know, very accommodating. I, I watched people like meet and talk with Giorgio Sukalos, and it wasn't just like he just wrote his name and then next. No, he spent time and talked with everybody. It was an absolute delight to watch him meet his fans. And they were so excited to meet him. There was a girl there that was dressed like an alien that she was really excited to meet him. And her boyfriend, she made her boyfriend, I'm assuming made her boyfriend, dressed like Giorgio Sukalos. So you can only imagine what goes on there. I'm not even going to get into it. But you know what? They had a blast. I had a blast. Deb, everyone that works for AlienCon, I cannot thank you enough. I can't wait for the next year. Next year's, it only gets better every time I go. It gets better and better and better. Um, next year, I cannot wait to take you along and show you everything that is that that is AlienCon. It's a fantastic day, couple of days. Um, I never once was like, I'm bored or I want to go home. Now, the whole time I was like, man, it's already 2 o'clock. Man, it's already 3 o'clock. Man, it's already 4 o'clock. I'm burning through the day just enjoying these panels and, and, and walking around and talking to these people and seeing all these, having these neat experiences. So I hope you guys like this one. That is, in a nutshell, AlienCon. And if you said, well, AlienCon's all done and over, Kurt. Well, that is true. But why don't you come hang out with me? Friday, March 31st and April 1st. April 1st, I'm going to be there all day at the Hyatt Regency Valencia for Parapod Festival. Go to parapodfestival.com. They are not paying me to say this. This is not an ad, paid ad. This is for my own volition. I want to talk to you guys about this two-day festival celebrating all things paranormal. And for some strange reason, I was nominated for a Parapod Award. And I cannot wait for that night. If you have, like I say, if you have the means to do it, this is the this is the place to come and hang out with me. Please come hang out with me. I think it would be a blast to hang out with some paramaniacs. We'll go get a drink. We'll see some panels. We'll go walk around. Just enjoy being there. I think it'll be a blast. And I already know one paramaniac I'm going to see, so hopefully I'll see some more. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a blast. Once again, I hope you guys like this episode. Um, if you get a chance, if there's an alien con coming to your area, because they're not just in California. There's a Dallas one. There's they're, they're everywhere. If you get a chance, I'm not, again, I'm not being paid to say it. I honestly think it is well worth your money to pay and go to alien con because you don't have to pay a ton of money. You don't have to be like in the front row to enjoy the panels. And they had question and answer panels. They had a lot of neat, neat stuff there. So I highly recommend alien con if you can do it. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sambig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac, nominated for a Parapod Award. They were what I'm going to say, and I'm going to laugh at them, too.